What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This podcast is brought to you by DeMarini. Are you ready to join the uprising? More than 150 programs around the nation have including back-to-back Division I and II national champions, Oregon State and Tampa, and Division III national champion Keene. Log on to demarini.com backslash dnation and check out the Voodoo Minus 3 to see why the SC3 alloy is the most powerful and durable performance alloy on the market. It gives you the pop you need to get along because chicks don't dig the ground ball. The Uprising, coming to a ballpark near you. Welcome once again, everyone, to a Baseball America podcast. It's the college-style podcast. I'm John Manuel, along with Aaron Fitt. So getting settled in our new office. The podcast room is being settled, uh, set up today, Aaron. That's because there are interns afoot here at Baseball America. That's always an exciting time of year. So that means college uh, is over for a lot of these uh, classes are over for a lot of these colleges. Interns are here. That means the college baseball players can focus on the only thing that's really important in their lives, and that's the road to Omaha, Aaron. As it should be. <laughs> Everyone's focused 100% on college baseball. Not even, not even we are focused 100% on college baseball thanks to the draft, but uh, exciting weekend. They're all exciting for us. But boy, this weekend, Aaron, I think we have to start the podcast off with the series of the year. The series of the year. Uh, we have to go back and put an effect on that so it echoes throughout eternity that this was the series of the year. Texas A&M and Nebraska. Uh, My two, goodness. Two teams that we didn't even think were going to be the top. You know, we did have A&M ranked in the preseason. Nebraska, we did not even have pegged as a preseason regional team. We, we debated them for the last slot of the Big 12 and ended up giving the, the nod wisely, John, to Kansas State. So <laughs> it's that all Nate Tendring's fault, I'm going to say. We thought he'd be good and he's hitting 250 and he's and he got drafted high, but that's a whole other story. But how about both these teams, Aaron, after watching this and following it, and two, just three dramatic games. Uh, my, my take on both these teams is... They're both talented teams to an extent. There's not really a huge weakness on either of these teams, and they're both outstanding counterpunchers. When the other team makes a mistake, Nebraska or Texas A&M can really rush into that breach. Yeah. I think this weekend, this is just my impression, Nebraska's experience, they do have a lot of seniors, have been through a lot, and that experience really seemed like it paid off as they won this series at home in dramatic fashion. I like your take, John. I think, uh, I think your analysis is pretty spot on. I do think that... A&M, for me, is, is the more talented team. If we're talking about uh, pure you know, prospects and long-term potential, I do think that A&M has, has, uh, has more talent on the roster. I think Nebraska's experience gives it an edge going forward. Uh, we kind of saw that this weekend. A&M, I mean, is still kind of young in the weekend rotation. Um, you know, they've got freshmen starting on Friday and Saturday, and I think both these teams were exposed a little bit on the mound um, on Sunday in that doubleheader, right. a couple of slugfests. I, I don't think either of these teams is quite as strong on the mound maybe uh, as some other contenders out there. Um, but, uh, you know, Travis Starling then again turned in a, just really truly a, a, a transcendent performance uh, in that Friday 16-inning epic, going uh, eight scoreless innings, uh, doubling, doubling his career-long outing. 
Uh, and, you know, they didn't have him available on Sunday, so that kind of was one reason maybe why their bullpen was exposed. Kyle Tebow, though, not a good weekend at all, um, giving up a couple of leads. Uh, so that's, you know, that's something to keep an eye on. But, I, you know, I think these are two very evenly matched teams. I think, like you said, they're both very opportunistic um, Nebraska's mo really all year long has been they don't beat themselves, right? And 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 A and M is is I think uh, one of the most high octane teams out there. Just the style of play that they that they that they use, uh, always pushing the action, so much pressure. They Very use aggressive. a lot of speed. They're so aggressive. I mean, I just think they're such a well-coached team, and, and this was a really, really fun series. Well, these are two of the finalists in my mind for national coach of the year as well. I mean, that we're a long way from paring that list down, but uh, you look at. A&M and the way that they have shot toward the top of the Big uh, 12. And you look at, uh, they've been there for a lot of the year. The uh, first series they've lost in an awful long time. And you look at Nebraska, again, a team that we did not even pick to win, uh, to be in regionals and to be uh, basically a, a, a kind of a game and a half, I guess, back of A&M and the Big 12 race. And Nebraska looking as a team that's probably going to host a regional, could host a super regional, hasn't even lost 10 games yet. Just very, very impressive to see the job that Mike Anderson has done there. Uh, one of the last links to the era when Nebraska didn't give a damn about baseball, but they awful, they, they care an awful lot about it right now, and uh, and it's reflected in their in their team. Uh, not a lot of movement at the top of the rankings because of that. Aaron, uh, Georgia comes into the top ten this week. Cal State Fullerton, I think. Dave Serrano's another great coaching job there at Fullerton. They've won eight straight weekend series. And, and I want to add to that, John. Uh, Particularly, how great of a job Serrano has done with the pitching staff there, which of course is great point. You know, I mean, that's where he built his reputation. But my goodness, the improvement we've seen from from Jeff Kaplan and Corey Arbiso is just amazing to me. And those guys uh, have both become really uh, rocks for them in the weekend rotation. Daniel Rankin, the freshman, had his ups and downs a little bit, but he's uh, the most talented guy there. Yeah. but that doesn't mean a whole lot. But he's they, he's the one who's doing it. But I mean, really, like I think we were both worried about that that pitching early in the year and, and going into the year. And, you know, as usual, Coach Serrano has just stabilized that thing and gotten the most out of his guys on the mound. It's very impressive. I think this offense is uh, underrated, is, is underrated and, and very, very good, I think. I, I really think it's a good balanced attack. I mean, maybe it's not the most powerful offense out there. They've got good speed, though. They've got good, just good hitters, good college players, Komatsu and Fellhauer and Cologne, and all these guys are just very solid players. Uh, and, and the pitching staff... You know, is, is, is in my mind, is, is the part that is really overachieved a little right. bit. Right. Well, it's classic. Rule change or not, it's classic Titans. They take a dose like nobody else. 102 hit by pitches for this team. Uh, it's amazing. There are eight guys, I think it is, or six guys. Nice addition there by, by John Mango trying to teach his three-year-old to count. Anyway, well, he's way better at it than I am. Six guys with double-digit hit by pitches. Uh, they've got 100 stolen bases as a team. It's a very aggressive uh, it's a classic Titan approach, and they've got guys like Fellauer and Kamatsu who can drive you in in the middle of the lineup. But it's it, it's working. It's working for the for the Titans. And uh, you know, again, another team that was not ranked in the preseason top twenty five, uh, now in the top ten, and uh, it's it just been an impressive season. Another big weekend series as we go down the top twenty five real quick here. Aaron Cal and Stanford. Well, Cal's been a little up and down lately, but a very big up this weekend as the Cardinal comes down the ranking significantly. Down to fourteen, they've lost two straight weekend series. Well, uh, actually, they. I'm sorry, two out of three. That this is the first weekend series they've lost. It was last week they were two and three, but yeah. they won the weekend series last right. weekend. But they, right. it's a couple of straight weeks in a row where Stanford they're stumbling here a little bit. They are. I think they're, they're the the weight to me of well, a Eric Davis in those four straight complete games. He's been a five or six inning pitcher ever since then. 
B, their bullpen's a little taxed because they just don't have pitching depth. All those midweek games, they keep losing, they keep staffing, and their bullpen's a little taxed, and, and they're just missing Jeremy Blige. They just don't have a lot of arms, and we're, and we're seeing the attrition now. And that's the case with a lot of teams this time of year. And, and to me, Stanford really needs Jeremy Blige back, but he's right. only made five starts and, and, and hasn't pitched in six or seven weeks. So how can you expect him to come back and be strong uh, when he hasn't pitched in basically two months? So I think right now you have to give Cal the edge. And conversely, John, Cal getting better uh, pitching performances this weekend uh, than it has gotten lately from Chad Bennigson. Yep. Uh, a huge outing for Tyson Ross against a, a very left-handed leaning lineup like you pointed out in our, our Top 25 meeting today, John. Uh, Ross, who doesn't really have a, a great changeup to, yeah. uh, to attack those left-handed hitters, very impressive outing for him, I think. Um, you know, so that's 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 a, that's a big couple of wins and a very encouraging stretch here for Cal now, which has uh, won three of his last four weekend series. Even though they were swept at Arizona State, uh, they have they have one series against Arizona last weekend, and then. Yep. A pretty solid Washington team a few weeks back. So, Third place team in the Pac-10 right now. So, so, so I think people who are questioning whether Cal would fade in Pac-10 play, especially down the stretch where they had a very tough closing stretch in the Pacific 10 Conference, uh, I think they're answering the bell. I really think Absolutely. these last two weeks have solidified their status as at least a top two seed in a regional. Yeah, I think so. I think uh, Cal's going to be probably a two seed in a regional that goes somewhere, and you don't want to play him. <laughs> you know, right. you're not going to really want to play Cal because that offense for me, John, might be the best offense on the West Coast outside outside Tempe. It's it's right there. It's right there, and uh, they've got a great one-two punch in the middle with Cooper and Josh Satin. I uh, got a Mark DeRosa comp from a scout on Josh Satin. That's pretty good. That's a offensive second baseman who could also maybe play some outfield for you. Uh, he's not quite as athletic, I think, as Mark DeRosa, who was a quarterback at Penn. But this is this is a this is a team that can really hit. And, and you know what else is? Is Charlie Cutler has started to come along. He's getting some big hits for them. Uh, and and I like the, a couple of those sophomores. They've got Jeff Cobernus and and of course uh, uh, in the outfield uh, Brett uh, Brett Jackson. You right. Know, no, you're on it. You know those those guys those guys are, are very talented, and that's that's a very good club. Speaking of very good clubs, right now the the Southeastern Conference's best team is. Uh, obviously, Georgia, they've been from start to finish. They win the head-to-head series with Vanderbilt this weekend. Huge kudos to Dave Perno and the Bulldogs. But how about the LSU Tigers, pulmonary, yeah. sending out Alex Box Stadium in style. They've won 12 straight games. They sweep Mississippi State this weekend. That's not necessarily news. Uh, in Ron Polk's final season, at Mississippi State at least, the Bulldogs are awful, 20-32, and 7-20 in the league. But LSU now leaping to the top of the SEC's Western Division, leaping up to 16 in our rankings. Aaron, not only do I, I, have they put themselves into a regional, LSU's going to host. They are going to host. And then that's the thing is by, by sending out Alex Box in style here in the regular season, yep. they'll get another chance to send that, that stadium out in the, uh, in the postseason because uh, they're, I mean, they're red hot right now, John. And that, well, those last three weekends is just so impressive. Um, you know, sweeping three straight conference series for the first time since 1991. It's amazing. They've won 12 straight for the first time since 2000. Both those years, John, were national championship teams for the Tigers. Indeed. So, uh, I'm not saying they're going to win the national championship this year, but they're uh, they're much improved from where they've been the last couple of years. That's for sure. And here's the thing that makes you just tip your cap to Palmineri. They're much improved from where they were three months ago. Yeah. This team has gotten a lot better during the season. I do think part of it was playing in the SEC where there's a lot of parity. There's not a lot of separation among those teams. But this team has gotten better. They're much more offensive than they were last year. They have much more power. Not just Matt Clark, but Blake Dean has been, to me, the guy. Yeah. It's the last couple of years. This guy's been their best hitter now for two years. And 
uh, you always look at their stats, and this is the guy always at the top, and he's just a steady hitter. And I just think, again, you have to give Palmineri the credit. He's developed a bullpen. He platoons guys. He's not afraid to make a lineup move like you wrote about in the weekend preview, or was it three strikes three a couple strikes, weeks ago? Think, yeah. Sean Ochinko. Here's Sean Ochinko. He was the number two catcher at Yarmouth Dennis last summer, behind Buster Posey, but ahead of Jason Castro of Stanford. Yeah, his presence basically made Jason Castro a first base left fielder. Castro's going to go in the first round now this year as a catcher. So Chinko's not chopped liver, but he had a disappointing season, and Moneri was not afraid to make that lineup move, and... The team's gotten better, and obviously, Ochinko's not causing any chemistry issues, or else they wouldn't be on this winning streak if you had a divided clubhouse. It's, it's impressive. He's handled, he's made the team better. He's handled his players, not all of whom are quote-unquote his players. Uh, he walked into a tough situation, a lot of pressure, and he also was on this NCAA committee. I think you got to give Paul Maneri a lot of credit uh, for juggling all those balls in the air and figuring things out and getting this team in a winning direction. Another strong candidate, I think, for Coach of the Year there, John. And, and he's he, never won it. And he's never won it. And I'll tell you, this is, an, like you said, an incredible coaching job. Uh, and, and you know what? I'm, I'm not terribly surprised because he's certainly one of the most likable people in, in college baseball. And no if doubt. you can't play for Paul Maneri, then there's something wrong with you. Uh, and he's a baseball man's baseball man. Uh, his dad, Denny Maneri, a longtime junior college coach in South Florida, uh, has done a lot of scouting. Uh, Paul Maneri is probably the best friend in the world, probably Jim, uh, Jim Henry, the GM of the Cubs. Paul's connected, he knows the game inside out, and he's nice. <laughs> I mean, from a media standpoint, we love Paul Maneri, but I just think if you look at the track record, he won actually at Air Force, which is impossible to do. Yeah. Um, he made Notre Dame a Caldwell Series team, uh, and now he's at LSU, and uh, I think he's going to make LSU a Caldwell Series team too. So, And only one team new to the rankings, that would be Tulane, Tulane, Tulane at 25. Let, let's talk, John, a little bit about the deliberations for that last spot. And, and you know, Tough. I, you know, I was, I was saying, John, in the meeting today that I really wanted to bring in five teams. I thought yeah. there were five teams that were, that, were, that were worthy, but everybody in the back half of the rankings won their series, so you can't just arbitrarily... Bring in the Georgia Techs and the UNC Wilmingtons, who I think are deserving. But Georgia Tech, UNC New Wilmington, Orleans. and New Orleans, to me, are all very deserving of, of top 25 consideration. Southern Miss as well. I think those are five teams, uh, along with Tulane, that, that really had a, a strong case. And, and, and South Carolina didn't have a strong case. We bounced them all the way from 17, and that's not easy to do. But this is a team that's lost four to five series on the road and has been swept in three of them. It's amazing. I mean, South Carolina just... Uh, fall on its face. Uh, there's no other way to put it. They're just uh, they're not going to host a regional at, at Sarge Fry. I was say two weeks ago, you looked at South Carolina and said, you know, if they win these next three series, their last three series, they don't just win. They just don't, they don't just host. They're in the talk for a top eight national seed. They could have been the second or third team in the SEC. They played a good non-conference schedule, better than most SEC teams. You looked at South Carolina and said, yeah, if they're top eight national seed, I could buy that. Now they're looking at. A three seed. I mean, they really are looking at falling that far. I mean, I think they're going to be a two, but they better start winning some games. Yeah, uh, they're not winning games right now. That's, that's the bottom line. This weekend down was to. very surprising to me, and, and you know, uh, I thought the LSU weekend was surprising too. But my goodness, I mean, uh, being swept by by Arkansas, you know, I mean, it's it's just a must win series. You know, it, it's Arkansas had its ups and downs. They lost the series at home last weekend against Alabama. Yeah, uh, I mean, you know, if you would have told me that they would sweep South Carolina the very next weekend. I would look like, looked at you like you had three heads. So, I mean, I just think that this is – the SEC is really hard to figure. I think all we know about this league so far is that Georgia is really good. I mean, that's after what we that, know. I don't think we know anything. We know LSU's hot. Yeah. We don't really know how good they are. I agree. I mean, we, we know that, that Vanderbilt is talented and experienced, but you – know, I think we know that Georgia is the best team in the SEC. Everything else is uh, a question mark. 
And that brings us to our regional discussion, Aaron, uh, because that's the that's what really ever that's what really matters. Right. And we went to, after our meeting. Aaron and I went through all the conference schedules and went through some RPIs. And you know, this was good actually to me, Aaron, because you go through to try to do a regional projection, and usually when you do it, you get to like fifty-two teams or fifty-eight teams. You don't get sixty-four the first time through. We got to sixty-two the first time through. I think there's with all the parity. And we, we I haven't gotten the conference tournaments yet, so that's obviously going to throw some wrenches in. But we went through the first time and got to 62. It's pretty easy to pick our bubble teams after that at 64. Um, I think that there's some – the choices now are looking easier. I think there's start, the field of 64 is starting to take shape. And one of the parts of that is the Southeastern Conference was a couple weeks ago looked like a six-bid league again. What was it five bids last year or was it six? Five bids last year. I saw it was looking a couple weeks ago like maybe a six-bid league. Right now it's looking like eight and possibly tying its own record of nine. Yeah. I, I think nine is possible. I don't think you're there, quite there with me. There's a, there's a major vacuum out there. Uh, when you look that at, makes for sucking example, sound, as Ross Perot would say. Exactly. Thank you. The the Big Ten got three last year. They're going to get one this year. That is not going to happen. The Big Ten is a one-bid league unless someone else wins the tournament, which is unlikely. The Sun Belt got three last year. I think it's a one-bid league right now. I mean, unless you know somebody upsets New Orleans in the, in the conference tournament, uh, I think New Orleans will get in as an at-large. But I don't think Troy's got a very good case. Then again, I didn't think they had a great case last right. year they got in. So Troy, knows, Troy and Louisiana Monroe both have a shot, but it's an outside shot. And Louisiana Troy, Monroe's RPI is sinking It's, it's, fast, it's 87, they, They've lost yeah. a bunch of series in a row now. I, I don't think Louisiana Monroe is a very strong uh, at-large candidate. In the words of George Costanza, they're backing up. I won't do the beep. The Big East, I'm just going to keep going here. Please. The Big East, last year was a three-bid league. Uh, I think that they could get two this year, but Notre Dame is on the bubble. I mean, they're not a lock as a number two seed because – or as a number two team rather in the league because their RPI is in the 70s, I believe. So Yeah, it's not a uh, – and Cincinnati – and a big, big, big series loss for Louisville this weekend. Louisville's 59 in the RPI. Louisville's got a shot. But they're tied for fourth in the league now. I don't they think just, that's going to get it done. They just lost this weekend series. After winning eight in a row, they lost the last two games of that West Virginia series. That, to me, is really going to hurt. Uh, I thought I thought Louisville was uh, in the hunt here, but uh, they're kind of not. I don't think. I think they. I think they've fallen off the hunt. There, there's a there's a chance that you get three Big East. I think it's much more likely that you get two. Whether St. John's, I think there's almost no chance you get three Big East teams, and, yeah. and, and I, I think it's more likely that you get one from the Big East than you get three. I would probably agree with you on that. Uh, so, so the point though, John, is that all these leagues that had three last year yeah. are not going to get that many this year. That means that power conferences like the SEC will step in. And here's the other thing: is the ACC with Clemson fading uh, is only going to get, I guess, Florida State, Virginia, North Carolina, Miami. And Georgia Tech, probably, and, and NC State. NC so that's, State. A, that's a six-bid league in the ACC. That, that's, a, that's a big one to mention because the ACC almost every year is a seven-bid league, and in many years it's an eight-bid league. In this configuration that the ACC is in, it's usually going to be a seven- or eight-bid league. Right. But Wake Forest and Clemson are down this year. Uh, Wake Forest, you know, Duke, if you believed in Duke and you thought, you know, if Duke made the ACC tournament uh, and had maybe a couple wins there – they have a. They look, they look like they have a lot of wins, but they just got swept at Wake Forest. They sent out That's Hook it. Stadium. Kudos to Ryan Johnson and all the Wake Forest alumni who played at Hook Stadium, but they're moving on to the, uh, uh, the Ernie Shore era at Wake Forest. But there's no way Wake Forest or Clemson, in my mind, get in. Wake, Clemson's no. 26, Clemson, 25, and 1, and Wake Forest is a losing record. Clemson had to. They had three series left. 
We we figured they probably would lose to Florida State, but I you know I think they needed didn't to win one swept, of those games. Right. They couldn't get swept at home. Then they they had to they absolutely had to win and, and probably even sweep Georgia Tech. They lost two out of three. Clemson's done. Stick a fork in them. The the twenty one year regional streak is over. Uh, really a, a incredibly disappointing season for the Tigers. And they they have one last chance. Because they are going to make the ACC tournament. Yeah, they got to uh, win the ACC tournament. They're the eighth seed right now, um, and they've got a you know a couple game lead here on Duke. So that tie at Duke may not come back to haunt too much. Duke's at Virginia Tech next week, and I suppose if Duke sweeps, even if they sweep, they're only eleven and seventeen. Clemson's eleven and eighteen, so I guess they would squeak in ahead of Clemson. So Clemson's hoping for Virginia Tech to win a game. That's where Clemson's that, season that's is how right far now. They've fallen. <laughs> that's 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 an indication that you've fallen pretty far because Virginia Tech is twenty one and thirty five and twenty two. They just beat Miami once this weekend. Right. But I think you you hit it the nail on the head. So the, here's our bubble teams, basically, Aaron, uh, to to try to get through the college podcast a little bit quicker. It's a Baseball America podcast. Aaron Fit, John Manuel. We're saying ACC is is six, and I don't even think there's a bubble team. The big the Big Twelve is probably five. Baylor's on the bubble. Baylor could be your sixth Big 12. I don't think they've got a strong case at all. Right now, for me, you know, all, the only thing they've got going for them is their name recognition because they don't have a lot of quality wins. They've I not agree. played well down the stretch. They really have, they have nothing going for them in my mind. They, they should not should not get in unless they make a, a serious run in the Big 12 tournament. How do you really feel about it? Well, I, I mean, love you it. know, this is a I team that it. I had high expectations for in the preseason, and they, they've just flat out been very disappointing, yeah. uh, and there's no other way to put it. Here's the big, the big West is going to be a tough league. Fullerton's in. Long Beach, Irvine, Santa Barbara, Davis. Those four teams, I think three of those teams I think will Fullerton get in. and Irvine are certainly, I mean, well, certainly, certainly. Irvine will get in. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, obviously. I think Long Beach with its RPI, with its conference record, I mean, they're, they're in third place in the league. Uh, you know, they, Long Beach with their top 25 record, they're in. I think so. I can't, Davis, I can't imagine Long Beach. Davis game. just spit the bit a little bit this weekend. They, they lost two out of three to, yeah. to Riverside. Riverside is the crazy team in all this. They're twelve and six in the league, eighteen and twenty-seven overall. They can only get a bid if they win the league outright. Yep. But they could win the league outright. They they're could. at they're at UC Santa Barbara, and they're home to Cal Poly. They win five out of those six games, or they sweep. Uh, they have a chance to tie Fullerton or surpass Fullerton for the league championship. What's, what's Fullerton got down the stretch here, John? Because right uh, now Fullerton has one more conference series. Uh, Fullerton's at, at San Long Diego Beach. State, and then they're at Long, home to San Diego State, and they're at Long Beach. So you know they're going to get a loss on Friday to Steven Strasburg. Um, that, that, that may be going out on a limb, but Steven well, Strasburg conference loss though. Right, Steven Strasburg is the best player in the country right now. It's not even close. Yeah, oh sixty three ERA uh, in the Mountain West. The previous league record is one point one two. I mean, he's Bob Gibson. It's ridiculous it's how amazing. good this guy is. He's uh, he's Mark Pryor with a shoulder that's still connected. It's it's amazing. Um, but that's so the Big West has got bubble teams. Conference USA, Houston getting swept by Rice. Houston's on the bubble. It's a really weird year as we talked about with Houston. And, and one, I'm sorry, John. Just so to you back, can back, up, back up to the Big West for a second. I do think Davis still has a shot. They, they fortunately for them, they've got Irvine at home this weekend. They got to win must that series. Must win series. Must win series. And then I think they. Uh, they've got a, a, a fairly winnable road series to close out the slate. So I believe that's a. Uh, might not. I, well, I thought it was at Cal Poly. It might be. Uh, well, let's let's look it up. That's the beauty of the interweb. Uh, they're at North Northridge, which right. is very winnable. So they've they've got to win in my mind five out of those six games. They got to win two out of three against Irvine. And they got to sweep Northridge. I agree. That will help Davis. And like we talked about with Davis, this is their window of opportunity. It's a very veteran club. But the other bubble teams in our minds. 
The Missouri Valley and the Mountain West Conference is probably won bid leagues, but Missouri State, the Valley, or either New Mexico or San Diego State in the Mountain West. If San Diego State were to win that series against Fullerton, that would certainly augment yeah. the Aztecs' case of we have a lot of good wins. They have I, think, some... I think they almost have to win that series, but if they do, they've got a decent shot. Yeah, and then uh, the Pac-10. Is, can the Pac-10 ever be a six-bid league? Usually it's a four-bid league, which you know that is a crime. But Arizona State's in, Stanford's in. I think Cal after this weekend is for sure in. Right. I think I, then you got really four to make two, basically, in my I, mind. I think, I think Oregon State right now has played its way in. They, they, they won that series against UCLA. They've got a high RPI. Yeah, their overall record is you know, a little too close to 500 yeah. for comfort. But uh, the Beavers are going to get in. Plus two That's for the four. Joe Morgan. Uh, it, whether it was an advertent or inadvertent comfort, plus two. So uh, Oregon State's finishing up with at USC – and they got Pacific, uh, Utah Valley State. They're going to pad their, their record, record with those uh, wins against Utah Valley State and Pacific. That should be four or five wins right there. They could get back to being a two seed, but they they have to go all the way. They have to go to Southern Cal. Yeah, it's conceivable they could lose two out of three to Southern Cal, be a twelve and twelve team. Uh, they're going to get in, but uh, the real question to me is the rest of that league. What happens to the rest of that league? I think UCLA's playing its way out. 25 and 23, just not very good. Mm-hmm. Washington State losing a series to Washington this weekend. That hurts the league, in my opinion, because Washington State's RPI is so much higher than UW's. The Huskies, uh, UW, how the ring look? Well, UW is third in the Pac 10 right now. Um, can Washington get an at large bid with an RPI in the 80s right now, Aaron? I, no. I, think, I think Stein's point to no on my Magic 8 ball. But here, here's the thing, though, for Washington is. You know, they got a chance to prove to people that they're a regional team with these last two weeks. Absolutely. At Arizona State, home against Stanford. If they're if they're a team that we should look at, you know, they'll they'll win at least one of those series. Um, you know, and they'll and their RPI will rise accordingly. I wonder what their RPI would do if they went three and three. I think best case scenario is they go three and three in those games. Yeah. That would put them at thirteen and eleven in the league. 34, 35 wins overall. Eh, Realistically, I, can't, I cannot possibly imagine them going to, to Arizona State and winning that series. I just don't think there's any way that happens. No, I don't think so either. I, I think they'll be lucky to win one game. Uh, you know, know, they're only two games back of Arizona State in the league. Yep. What if they were to win that? They win that series. Say they go sweep that series, they're in first place in the Pac-10. How crazy would that be? That would be without, without Tim Lincecum. Let's I, see, let's I, will, I will eat my hat if that happens, John. Right here on the College Podcast. Do you eat that uh, St. Patrick's Day green Arizona State hat? Is that the one? Specifically, you should eat that hat, I believe. There you go. But to me, the Pac-10 should be a six-bid league, but the way things are shaping up, it's going to be a five-bid league. Uh, and, and I, again, the SEC, eight or nine. I think the SEC is going to be a nine-bid league. Arkansas has got an RPI in the 21 I, I, range. I beg to differ. I, I, still, oh, think, you do. I still think the SEC will, will only get eight. I, I just, you know... The I, I big think team that, that could be left out, I think, for you is Alabama, right? Alabama or Arkansas. I think I think you got to make the, the SEC tournament to get in. I, I, I do. I don't know if, you know... I, that I, should I, be I a rule, but it's sometimes not. sometimes they've gone nine from the... You know, the, the, you don't, that doesn't always happen. But I think this year it will. I, I don't think that the ninth team the SEC gets in. I mean, you know, the one thing that Alabama kind of has in its favor, if it comes down to them, an independent Dallas Baptist. They did beat Dallas Baptist once this year. Uh, but they also got swept by New Orleans. If New Orleans doesn't win the Sun Belt and they're an at-large team, their RPI is higher, they won their league in the regular season, and they played head-to-head at Alabama, and the Privateers won both of those. But uh, in Alabama's favor is that it's playing pretty well of late. Played well down the stretch. If they have to be head-to-head them versus Arkansas, yeah, Arkansas's RPI is better. But Alabama went to Arkansas just two weeks ago, you know, last weekend, not this past weekend, 
and won two out of three. So uh, they're the hot team. Uh, they have won four straight conference series, Florida, Arkansas, Auburn, and Mississippi State. Uh, it's pretty impressive. So uh, Alabama, to me, uh, they have Jim the lowest RPI. Half credit for sure. Absolutely. Uh, I don't think that's one of the most talented teams they've had there. Rick, I don't think so either. Uh, you know, and, and one of their biggest their biggest name player probably in terms of talent, Myers Quigley has not gotten the. He's not. He's been far more disappointing than his high school resume said he would be. And but all that said, to me, Alabama's got to go to Georgia and win a game. If they get swept in that series, and they're fourteen and sixteen in the league. Their RPI is going to probably still be in those 50s. Uh, it's going to be a tough case to make to bring a team in that uh, like that. But I, I think the SEC is going to be a nine-bid league, Aaron, and that's uh, that's a testament to that league and the depth of that league. And the other, the other bubble league that you mentioned, the Sun Belt. So we're saying two out of the SoCon as well, West Coast two. Uh, and I think we you can get to 64, in other words. To me, there's a little bit still to be decided in the last couple weeks uh, with the last week of the regular season and then a lot of conference tournaments. But I think, Aaron, the field of 64 is starting to take some shape. And uh, that, yeah, that's, that's really actually is. a good I think, thing. I think a lot of things started to crystallize this weekend. Uh, I think some of the, the contenders and the pretenders are, are separating. And uh, I think we've got a much better idea going forward here. I mean, we know certainly what certain teams have to do uh, if they want to get in. I think we both got depressed when we looked at the, the minute counter on the garage band, and it's in the almost 30 minutes long on the podcast. So you get carried away when you're having fun, Aaron. So uh, next week we'll be back with another college podcast. The regular season will be over for most leagues We'll begin in the conference tournaments. Should be an awful lot of fun, and we'll be here to talk about it. For Aaron Fit, I'm John Manuel. Thanks for tuning in again to a Baseball America podcast. So long, everybody. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.